been around long enough to plan enough of these to understand. God moves in supernaturally and sometimes does something special through these four-week things that we plan in our own human understanding. We have received the goodness of God as a gift through this series because it's hitting, it's sticking in a different way. Picking up where we left off last week, I just want to get everybody on the same page quickly. I promise I will do this quickly. Let's start here. Peter, the life that we're discussing in this moment, in this day, Peter had a part to play in God's provision. We're discussing a time where Peter was cornered by two religious men and asked a very specific question. And Jesus, in response to that question, sent Peter fishing. Peter had a part to play in this provision to pay this temple tax for a couple of reasons. And we've talked about a few of those over the past few weeks. If you haven't been here with us, let me catch you up in two minutes. I bet a pastor has never promised that from stage, have they? The first is this. Jesus was looking to settle something in Peter that had become unsettled. Are you in this place today a little bit unsettled? Let me bring you some comfort here that Jesus has a habit of moving into those times in our life where things have become unsettled and he does some of his best work because he knows that's the time where we're most receptive to the work that he's looking to do in our life and in our story. Jesus moves in and he does something to help Peter mature that day and he's looking to mature us more on that later. He was teaching Peter how to engage, this is pretty big for us today, how to engage in the right battles and how to let the wrong battles pass by. Let me ask you a very specific question. Angry much? If you're experiencing a lot of anger in your story, if you're feeling overwhelmed by all that's wrong, and there's a lot wrong, isn't there, Vertical Church? It may just be that you're engaging in the wrong battles. You've taken on battles that God never intended you to fight. In fact, he's built you for other battles, battles that you were born to fight. And I don't want you to give up those battles that you were born to fight for the battles that the enemy is serving you through the American media. As with Peter, I want to encourage you that Jesus is the best guide in helping to determine which battles to engage and which battles to let pass by. Lastly, we discussed that Jesus was helping prepare Peter for what was ahead of him. You've got something ahead of you in your story, in your life. Whether you've lost hope in that or not doesn't really matter. God is making a plan. In fact, God is already there. God has a habit of moving into our right now to prepare us for the not yet, but on its way. There's something on the way in your story that God has for you to do. In our Western society, this is easy to miss because we want something right now. But here's the fact. God is preparing you for something that's coming later. In fact, those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, you know how this feels. When you walk into a circumstance and you get that feeling in your gut, I should have been ready for this. That's God communicating to you. I was trying to work before to prepare you for this moment. Now we're going to have to wing it. That's a sickening feeling, isn't it? So I know what some of you may be thinking. By the way, that was a little bit over two minutes, but give me some credit. I know what some of you may be thinking. Have we really been talking about Peter for all of these weeks? This one interaction with this one dude and Jesus, is it really that important? Does it deserve this level of attention in our own stories in our lives? The answer, I'm going to tell you, obviously is yes, here's why. I believe that Peter represents us all. He's a template for what it looks like to mature in your relationship with Jesus. He's one of the first and most profound examples of what it looks like when a man's heart turns away from his own selfish desires and submits to the will of Jesus in his life. And God is moving us into this space as a church. And that's something that really excites me because I believe it's something that my leadership is built for. I believe God is calling us as a group of people, as a community, to mature. 
I know this because I see it. I see people who have been going to this church, involved in this community for over a decade. I'm in this number who God is calling to mature in new ways, to grow up in certain ways that we haven't been able to do before. In fact, he's bringing people through our double doors every week, people who are looking to mature in new ways. They weren't ready before they got here, but God supernaturally has brought them into this space. If you're in that number, you feel like I'm reading your mail, don't you? We're becoming a community that can meet you where you are, which is exactly what Jesus does, and also love you enough to not allow you to stay there, which is also what Jesus does. May God be what we need to follow him into this new space, this new way of being a church community, this new way to worship. Allow me, if I can, to get you thinking just a moment. Is that okay? By the way, if you're new with us, the way our church goes, people are going to yell at me, kind of interrupt me, and especially get behind me when I say something right because they want me to do more of that, all right? So don't worry about it. You don't have to be a good boy or girl in church. If I agree with something, if you agree with something I say, you let me know, okay? Allow me, if I can, to pass along a really important question that was offered to me a couple of years ago that has been clutch in my development as a person, as a Jesus follower. It's been critical for my journey of maturity, and I want to hand it to you today. Here it is. Where are you? Where are you? Now slow down, not so fast. This isn't a question of geography. This is actually a question of your emotional base. It's a question that's asking you, where are you in your life journey? It's a little harder to answer than it sounds. Here's the truth. We're all someplace in our journey, in this gift that we call life, the gift from God. You're all in some place in your journey. The question is, do you know exactly where that place is? Using the life of Peter, I'd like to give you three categories. Describe those categories for you. They're honest and they're sequential. As I describe them to you, it'll be easy for you if you're willing to be honest with yourself. And that's kind of hard to do, especially in church, isn't it? It'll be easy for you to figure out when I'm answering the question, where am I? I mean, one of these three categories, which one is it? Let me give you the first one, the old life. This is very biblical language, so clue into this. If you're a Jesus follower, you should recognize some of this. For Peter, it looked like boats and fishing to provide for his own. It looked like every day kind of feeling like the last day, being involved in the daily grind. This could also be termed the shadow life, the before Jesus life. By the way, this life has a tendency to show up even when we move on to the next phase, especially if we are under pressure or stress. For an example of this, you don't have to look any further actually than Peter's life. If you're a Jesus follower in the room today, let me give you something to study this week. John chapter 21, I encourage you to read that and figure out what it means based on this category. The first place that you may be is the old life. The second place, the new life. For Peter, this looked like following Jesus closely. It looked like leaving the things that he knew before and stepping out to follow Jesus and watch the way that Jesus did things. It looked like cutting a man's ear off with a sword. It looked like finding a coin in a fish's mouth. It looked like having one of his best friends look at him and call him Satan. Most importantly, it looked like failing in front of Jesus to see what Jesus would do with that failure. This new life, and many of you have followed Christ, you understand what this new life is like. It's exciting, and in the beginning, you feel like you can take on the world, don't you? Then we go through some difficult things, and it leads to this, the congruent life. 
This is what we all should be striving for. It's where the old life and the new life match. There's certainly differences. What this looked like for Peter was one day standing up and explaining, we're going to talk about this in Acts chapter 2, standing up and explaining what he believed about the mission of Jesus, one of his very best friends. It meant harnessing the power of his bold personality to stand up for Jesus when it could have cost him everything. It's an incredible place that many Jesus followers know when the old bastardized ways of our old life make a little bit more sense because God was up to something in the mess even when we didn't know what was going on. It allows us to look back at our past with grace and mercy. If you're trapped in shame or guilt about your old way of life, the before Jesus life, then that could be a strong indicator that you haven't exercised mercy over your story in the way that God has. The Bible tells us that God works everything together for the good, not just the places that you're proud of. That's not on the script, but that's really good. Wow. So it's incredible how lonely you can feel up here. All right. So those are the phases of life, the old life, the new life, the congruent life. As you look at those phases, where are you? Answer that question as honestly as you can because proper orientation is so important. If you don't know where you are, you don't know what the next steps are to get to where you want to be. Which is my follow-up question. Based on where you are, is it where you want to be or is there something more? We're going to take a look at Peter's life in a little bit of a different way today. And it's my hope that all of us, no matter where we are on the spectrum of life, will feel the tug and the pull to take our next step closer to Jesus so that he may change us and mature us. Now, back to Peter. You guys okay so far? The days after Jesus died were pretty intense, especially for Peter. Unexpectedly, Jesus was murdered by the Romans with the help of the religious And after that, Jesus rose from the dead. Unpredictably, except for Jesus, he had told the people, but they didn't understand what he was saying. Jesus shows back up on multiple occasions. And he does some pretty supernatural, incredible things. And then the Holy Spirit shows up. Jesus also predicted this. And the Holy Spirit, that part of God that is especially supernatural, shows up and does some Jesus-like things. And the people in the town where Peter was, they started to talk. This is natural. What was not natural is that Peter stands up to give an explanation to the people who were asking these questions. They were curious about what was going on. They were amazed and they should have been. Unnaturally, a fisherman with no formal education stands up and gives them an explanation. And on this day, he gives the speech of his life. He seizes the moment. It's recorded in Acts chapter 2. Let me show you what I mean. He stands up and explains exactly what had happened and why. I'm going to let him take it from here. You guys ready? People of Israel, Peter says, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him. As you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of the lawless Gentiles. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. This is one of those big but God moments in scripture. But God released him from the horrors of death 
and raised him back to life. See Easter. For death could not keep him in his grip. Honest question. I know it's in the Bible, but separate that for just a moment. Does this sound like a fisherman to you? Does this sound like a man who made his trade going to the sea every day to catch fish to provide for his own? Or does it sound like something different? You may have missed this, but he's explaining to the people of Israel who he holds responsible for the death of Jesus, that they're the ones that killed Jesus. Put yourself in this circumstance for a moment. They had the power to leverage the Roman government to kill the Son of God. Now Peter is standing up saying, you did that. Do you think he was nervous for his life? He better believe it. Do you think he was thinking during this speech, man, I could be next, but he did it anyway. He correctly explains that God wasn't surprised by all of these actions. Don't you love the boldness of this man? He boldly says that Jesus has the power, too much power for death. I love that, don't you? Death is strong. It feels so final in our own lives. In fact, it's what makes it so unbelievable that Jesus could defeat it because we can't. But that's what happens in our story. The things that we run up against that we can't do anything about, Jesus says, I got this. And Peter continues. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we're all witnesses to this. Notice how common this is. There's no debate There's no stage at a college campus where people are arguing whether this happened or not. Peter stands up in front of a crowd and says, Jesus is alive and you know it because you've seen him. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out on us just as you see and hear today. Again, giving Jesus credit for what's going on. Then he gets especially bold. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you murdered, to be both Lord and Messiah. Mike, drop. Don't you just want to move in and say, way to go, Peter. Nice speech. That's gladiator level stuff right there. In summary, Peter says, and this is where it gets really practical for us today. You want to know why all this is happening? Jesus. That's what Peter says. Unfortunately, as a church, we complicate this message a whole bunch. We give a lot of speeches about a lot of things when we should really be talking more about, brace yourself, Jesus. You know why all this is going on in your life? Jesus. You know why this church is here? Jesus. When people ask us these questions, Vertical Church, I want you to store this answer deep down in your heart so that you can speak it when somebody asks you things like this. How is it you're okay being the AA church? Jesus. Hey, your staff is pretty imperfect. They're young. They seem unqualified, and it kind of sounds like they fail a lot. That's not like a church staff should be, right? Jesus. How is it two dudes started this church in one dude's garage? Jesus. You guys are seeing men get healthy like in early morning Bible studies and actually at church and in evening Bible studies where they're meeting under the banner of being an addict and they're getting healthy on driveways on random Tuesday nights. How is all this happening? 
Jesus. Wait a minute. You had a teenager get baptized this past Wednesday in front of their community? Jesus. Okay, final one. And this is one we just really can't tolerate in the South. You have women standing on your stage explaining the good news of Jesus Christ. How are you okay with this? You're going to have to take it up with him. You talk about sex and politics and trauma and abuse and addiction. Why are you comfortable talking about all these things, even admitting some of it in, in your own life, Pastor? How are you comfortable with that? Jesus, this should be our answer. Hey, what's going on over that gray building next to the horse stables? Jesus, that's what's going on. That was Peter's answer, and that will be our answer. Big phrase here, Jesus is a change agent. Here's what I mean by that. Jesus, when he gets involved with something, he transforms everything about that something. His influence properly acknowledged changes the way that we do anything. Think about that behind the front door of your house. If you're acknowledging the influence of Jesus Christ in your home and in your life, it will change the way that you do everything. That isn't restrictive. That's freeing. Are there any Jesus followers in the room? Let's dig a little bit deeper, zooming through this teaching today. I love it when that happens. How about you? This wasn't just something that Peter knew in his mind. This is something that Peter experienced with his life. I'm about to spend the next few minutes proving that to you. And let me just say, as I was sitting at my desk pouring over this, I couldn't be more excited about what you're about to experience. The Bible says that because of Peter's teaching that day, and I love this description, that the people's hearts were pierced. After that, they asked the question, what do we do now? God, I pray that my teaching accomplishes that here in this place for Vertical Church. Based on the things that we say with each other on a Sunday morning, what do we do now? I want you to watch how Peter answers this question. It's something that you probably haven't noticed before. It's something that I hadn't noticed before. He gives an answer about how to move from the old life to the new life. If you're looking for a way to move across that arrow and get out of your old life and into your new life, Peter's going to answer that for you. Peter replied, Acts 2, verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. This is how it worked out. Notice the order. Repent. That means turning away from your old way of life and submitting your new way of life to God. Turn to God, step two. Step three, be baptized. Step four, receive the Holy Spirit, not through your work, but through the work of God given to you at the time that you acknowledge Christ. So let me give you a moment to see what Peter was doing here. Repent, turn to God, be baptized, Receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? Peter is teaching them the way that Jesus taught him. Go to the sea and cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up. When you open its mouth, you'll find a coin. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Peter was emulating his teacher. 
Jesus changes everything. He especially changes how we explain him to people when we have received who he is. We're going somewhere with this today. What I'm going to encourage you to do today is submit your life and submit yourself, your story, to God's instructions, to Jesus' presence in a brand new way. Maybe one that you haven't before because something is in your future that God is preparing you for right now. Are you with me, first service? Peter steps out, he steps up, he follows God's instructions, and he does it in a way that is just like Jesus. Something that he practiced as he was following Jesus in the new life, he then implements in the congruent life, and he stands up and preaches to the crowds about who Jesus is. And then he accomplishes what Jesus says that he would. He became the most influential figure in the early church. Because of his obedience, he delivers a now famous sermon. Check this out. Do you know what the results are of this sermon in Acts chapter 2? 3,000 people acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Think about that for a moment. 3,000 people in response to one sermon. That's incredible. Some churches exist for generations and never see this number. So here's a big question as we're making the turn in the last few minutes this morning. What do you think Peter was thinking as he delivered this sermon and supernaturally saw 3,000 people accept his message of accountability? He went back to day one. Day one where Jesus stepped into his boat. And he had been living under his own power for his entire adult life. That night being a metaphor for his story that he had caught nothing, but then Jesus stepped into his boat and told him to go fishing. Again, the Bible tells us the catch was so great, the boats almost sank. Don't you think Jesus was communicating something to Peter that day? You know what Jesus actually told Peter? Hey, brace yourself, Peter. Right now, you fish for fish, but eventually you're going to fish for men. Peter, years into the future, delivers this famous sermon and catches 3,000 people. He was living the congruent life. Let me recount for you. The old life is fishing under his own power and catching nothing. Fishing with Jesus in his boat and catching so much that the nets fill up. His new life was learning how to do things the Jesus way. His congruent life was delivering a sermon through the power of God and catching so many men that the church filled up. That's what God can do. This is how God tips the scales in our lives. This is the goal for all of us. A life that lacks balance can be balanced by God. And here's how he does it. Moment after moment, experience after experience, asking us to play our part. It's more than just a great sermon or a great song. Let me communicate that clearly to you. It's a way of life that Jesus is inviting us into. And when we submit to that way of life, by the end of our life, we will be someone that the earlier versions of ourself doesn't even recognize. That's the transformative power of Jesus. But there's a way that this happens. Last point for the morning. Transformation takes time. This is why the enemy has moved into our world today to make us the most busy people that have ever lived. 
Because when we are busy, we cannot give God the time that is required to turn us into new people. Let me explain to you what I mean. If Peter didn't have time for Jesus to step into his boat that day after he had worked a long shift, no catch. If Peter didn't have time to follow Jesus and engage these two religious men and then go fishing, there would be no coin. And if Peter didn't eventually jump out of the boat and swim 100 yards to shore and have breakfast with Jesus and hear his validation, there would be no church. No catch, no coin, no church. Peter gave Jesus time. Honest question for you as we close this morning. Have you? Have you given Jesus the time required for him to transform you, for him to tip the scales in your life, to make something different than you could possibly imagine or expect? Have you given him the time that he needs to interrupt your story, to influence your story, and empower you to be the person that he's built you to be. Thank God for Peter. Thank God for Jesus and thank God for that coin. May we all be willing to give God the time required to transform us. And through that transformation, may he strengthen the local church and may he offer hope to a broken world. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are a worker of incredible things. And so we pray simply today, as you seek to mature us as a church and as a community, that we would give you the time required for you to transform us. God, we ask that you would bring us the 3,000, the people to newly acknowledge you so that they can be involved with this church and grow into the people that you've built them to be to engage the right battles. We thank you for that coin. We thank you for the gift of life today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next week for a special Mother's Day. See you then.